Well, good morning. It's great to be back up here uh, after a few weeks of Pastor Derek uh, feeling the call of the Lord over certain passages in 1 Samuel. Uh, It's been great to hear his heart. It was great to hear last week in the book of Psalms to hear Ryan, one of our elders, uh, deliver the Lord's message. Uh, And the danger of not having me up here for a few weeks is I'm going to make up for lost time, so buckle up, okay? No, I'm very excited this morning. I want to start with uh, two special requests or special announcements. Uh, The Tuesday evening prayer group that normally meets is canceled for this week due to some people out of town. Uh, So if you planned to come to that, uh, wait till next week, not this coming Tuesday. And then uh, also we do have a see to it team here. See to it basically means that these are the group of people that are going to see to it that things get done. And one of the things that they do is help people move. We have two requests that are coming um, uh, for people that need help moving. One is actually from La Crosse up to Eau Claire, uh, and that's coming up at the end of this week. Then there's another one into the month of August. So if if you're available, if you like to help people and you have a little bit of muscles, uh, you can talk to Mike Purs. He's going to put his hand up right now so everyone can stare at him. He's the guy in charge of that, so please see him so we can take that stress off, off of people as they move. Um, as we dive into 1 Samuel today, we're going to look at uh, chapters 21 through 23, and I mentioned the stress of moving, and that fits perfectly with what I want to introduce to you today from those chapters in Samuel, which is stress. How many of you have ever felt stress before? Every hand should go up. Uh, some of you might just be clueless as to what it feels like, but we all have had stress. Um, and stress actually has a lot of things that can affect us. It can affect you even medically, where you actually get conditions that affect you physically that need to be treated. Stress is very violent, very intrusive. So it affects us physically, medically. It can affect your behavior a lot. You have you begin to start to worry about different things. There's reversals in your usual behavior when you are under a lot of stress. There's actually decisions that we tend to make while we're under stress that don't match what we would normally feel in our heart. And so stress is, it's a beast. It is a great tool of the enemy. And there is an enemy that's actively working against us to try to destroy us. But the reality is he will not win. And this morning... I found myself confronted with how to respond to a potentially stressful situation. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, had I not been preparing this exact message in this exact place in Scripture, I don't think I would have been equipped to respond appropriately to the stress this morning. The stress was that there was still a, a pretty strong smell in the kids' area. And we adore our children's ministry. We adore every ministry that's here. And so for a Sunday morning for something like that to happen and to have everyone try to respond and communicate, it can be very stressful. And Satan wanted that this morning. He wanted us to be stressed, to argue with each other, to look at all the negative. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, that he's not going to win. And he didn't win this morning because what we saw was the team behind the scenes come together in unity, in excitement to say, we get to glorify the Lord no matter what stress is around. But that's not always the case, is it? Sometimes we give in to stress. And today we're actually going to see in the book of 1 Samuel chapters 21 through 23, we're going to see how David responds to stress. He does it in two different ways, and we're going to see both of them. 
But one of the things that stress does is it starts to cause us fear. We start to look around at things and we start to worry about the things that may never happen, but they become so big in our minds that we respond with fear. We start to serve as our God the question, what if? What if this happens? And what if that happens? And suddenly this worry grows and grows, and now it's the only thing that we're using to process information. Meanwhile, God is there giving us reminders of what to do with that fear. And scripture is actually full of reminders about worry and fear. Joshua 1.9 says, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Isaiah 41 says, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Matthew 8, Jesus tells his disciples, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? You see, in the presence of God, there is no fear. When our direction of our thoughts and our heart is toward God, there's not fear because we trust that he is the one who controls it all. But that's easier said than done. And we're going to see that in the life of David. As you have joined us in this journey in 1 Samuel, you have seen that up to this point, back in chapter 19, we saw that David, who was anointed but not yet appointed the new king of Israel, Saul is still the king, and Saul is jealous of David. And back in chapter 19, we actually saw that Saul tried to kill David, but he escaped. And then Jonathan, David's close friend and kind of confidant through all of it, gives David further warning with some information. And in chapter 21, we're going to pick up that David is now separated from Jonathan. So if you've ever had a close friend, someone you can count on, someone that you can trust, and they're not close to you in a time of stress, that's an added stress. And so let's put ourselves into the understanding of David. David is being chased for his life. He's running for his life, and he doesn't have his best friend, the one that he can count on with him. That's where this story picks up. So David is literally running for his life. If he stops, if he's found by Saul, he will be killed. Saul's not going to arrest him and put him on trial and hope that things go in Saul's favor. No, he's just going to kill David. That's the stress that David is under. Or at least that's what David's mind is telling him, that if I get caught, I will die. And I specify that his mind is telling him that because the reality is he doesn't know what if. What if Saul catches me? Saul has said, I'm going to kill you. But we don't know that because we're not sovereign. We don't know all things, but God does. And so David, what we begin to see is that he's starting to believe this little lie of fear. And he's starting to serve that little lie of fear. We know that he has a great baseline for understanding God's power because of the battle of David and Goliath. It was real evident to the Israeli army that this guy in a one-on-one match, Goliath versus anybody, was going to win. Goliath was that big, that powerful, that fearful. And everyone was convinced that he would stand victorious in any one-on-one battle. Enter teenager little guy David equipped with a sling and some stones. Equip yourself with, some sling, with a sling and some stones against a giant. Put yourself in that mindset. Who wins? The giant, right? 
But we forget that God Almighty joined David, that God Almighty was the one in charge, and so we think, what if I lose? And God is saying, I've got a plan, and I'm going to accomplish that plan. And so we start to understand that while David operated kind of within the normal of what we're going to see here by responding to fear, he forgot about who's really in charge. So let's pick up. David is on the run. And he's convinced that he needs to keep running or he will die. And as we look at verse 1 of chapter 21, it says this. David came to Nob, which is a city, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech came to meet David trembling. Why is he trembling? David's not trembling. The priest is trembling. It doesn't say why he's trembling. Was David acting frantically because he was running for his life? Possibly, he was stressed out. Did Ahimelech know when he saw David that David was actually an enemy to Saul? And so suddenly Ahimelech was worried about who, what am I supposed to do, go against the king or am I supposed to partner with David? And so was he stressed and trembling because of that? We don't know, but we know his response in his trembling. He looks at David, if you're following along in chapter 21, he says, why are you alone? It was strange for David to be alone And so the priest is asking, what is this situation that suddenly is in front of me? And David's response, we would think, is obvious because it's David. He's a man after God's own heart. He's been appointed and anointed, and he is going to confide in the priest, right? He can trust this priest and tell him the truth, but that's not what happens because David in these moments is actually serving his fear. He's operating based on his fear. And so if you're filling in the blanks, the very first one says, David responds to fear with lying. Again, stress can cause you to do things that your heart doesn't even want to do. Stress can make you think about things in a whole different way because you're not trusting the one who is more powerful than all those things. And David responds to fear with lying. And in verses two and three, he tells this priest that he's on a secret mission from the king. Not that he's running for his life from the king, but I'm on a secret mission and I can't give you any details. It was a lie. No matter how you butter it up, no matter how much you love David and and the great man that he was for God, he was still not perfect. And he lies because he's serving fear. And so without all of the information we see that Ahimelech follows a demand that David has because David says, I need food. I'm on a secret mission and I need to eat. I've been hiding for days and I am hungry. And so Ahimelech, the priest, gives him holy bread. This is bread that actually and technically was only allowed for the priests to consume. That was the letter of the law. Nobody can eat it. David was not a priest, so David could not eat this bread. But Ahimelech knew that life was important. And so he responds to the heart of the law rather than the letter of the law. And he says, I am going to feed him. Here is a man in need. And when there is a person in need in front of you and you have the ability to help them, he was going to help them. He wasn't going to serve the letter of the law. He was following the heart of the law. And we know that it was okay for him to do this because Jesus actually talks about this in Mark chapter 2. He even says to the, when there's argument about the Sabbath and working on the Sabbath and what to do, you see, the problem was all of the Israel bigwigs wanted to serve the letter of the law. And Jesus came through and said, no, it's about the heart. 
And so in Mark 2, he actually says, have you ever read what David did? This is Jesus. When he was in need and was hungry, he entered the house of God and ate the bread of presence, which is not lawful for any but priests to eat. You see, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So we know that Ahimelech served the heart of Jesus by giving David food in that moment, even though it was under the guise of, it was a lie. David was lying about a secret mission, but the reality was he was hungry. And so we see something here. What we see in the midst of all of this stress, even in the midst of David, a a man after God's own heart lying, we see that God gives him a reminder. And today what I see in these passages are reminders from God. And reminder number one, that God is whispering to David is that he loves him. So reminder number one for you is that God loves you. You see, by the law, David couldn't eat the bread. By his action, David was running because he was trusting fear, not trusting God. And by his very words, David was lying about why he was there. And there may be some of you this morning going, well, those three things combined disqualify you from the love of God. And the reality is, no, they don't. God loves you and he cares for you and he desires to draw you close. David was stressed and in his stress, he forgot that he was serving God. And he began to give in to that fear. But in this moment, God is reminding David, you are mine. You are loved. You're valuable to me. Your well-being of being fed when you're hungry is more important to me than this ceremonial letter of the law. I'm here to, to work in your heart. And so God is whispering in this moment, I love you, David. You see, God wasn't shouting at David. God could have done a whole variety of things to get David's attention, to shake him like this real violently, which is sometimes the wake-up call that we need. And it was clear that David needed a big wake-up call, but God is working quietly right now, and he's whispering to David that he cares for him, even though David was in the midst of responding to fear with his lying. You see, that's the grace of our wonderful God. Even when we have our backs turned and our actions don't match our heart and we don't serve him perfectly, he still says, I love you and I care for you. And so maybe you need that reminder today. That reminder that God loves you is so evident in many different ways, but we get distracted. I could have gotten distracted today with all of the details, all of the madness of making last minute decisions and scrambling to keep the ministry going. But in the midst of it, I had to remember what the Lord had taught me all week, and maybe you need that reminder today, that God loves you. And he's whispering it to you through so many simple things. The beauty of his creation, your favorite food. What a gift from God that you can taste, and you can see his beauty, and you can hear the fellowship that's happening. You have relationships that you can count on people. This is the goodness of God that he is showing you that he loves you. And if you need a louder Reminder than just a whisper, look to the cross of Jesus Christ because that shouts to you that God loves you. It shouts because God himself looked down and said, I love you so much, I'm gonna give you my son and I'm gonna send him to the cross. He's willingly gonna go to the cross for your sin and become the perfect sacrifice so that you can confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and you're going to be saved from the punishment of your sin. That is the shout that we all need to be reminded of every day of the love of God. And while we get to see that shout, David in this midst of his troubles is hearing these whispers from God. 
But as we move through the story, David actually doesn't hear or recognize that whisper from God yet. Even though that caring gesture through the priest that God used to feed David, he didn't quite understand and it didn't quite get his attention. And so he doesn't hear that whisper yet. Or at least it didn't penetrate the stress and the fear and put yourself in that situation. How many of you would hear a whisper in the midst of running for your life? Has anyone in here ever literally had someone chasing them, ready to murder them? And maybe you have, and if you have, that's a horrible situation. But we can't even fathom the stress, the sweat, the anguish that David must be going through. And he didn't hear the whisper of the Lord. But God didn't stop. Because what we see is that David continued in this stress. And he continues with his lying And he actually continues with looking to defend himself. I have to do something extra so that I feel safer. Rather than finding the safety in the presence of the Lord like he did with Goliath, he continues to give in to this fear. Look at verse 8 of chapter 21. He tells the priest, For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. So again, he's continuing this lie. Can you blame him? I'm not saying it's right, but can you blame him? In the midst of the stress, he created a story that he was on a secret mission, and within the same conversation, he lives up to that lie. Uh, Yeah, that secret mission I'm on required quick response, so I didn't arm myself. He keeps up lying, because he's given in to this stress. And this stress and this fear has overtaken him, and it's, it's starting to shape the way that he thinks in this moment. And then he says, I don't have any weapons. Is he showing trust in God in this moment? No. And I'm not picking on David. I'm trying to show you that God gave us people like David who are really, really easy to relate to because we don't handle it correctly. We get stressed and we start to serve something that isn't God and it's wrong. And David is doing that. But wait until the end. We're going to see him come back, okay? But right now in this moment, he continues his lying, and then he responds to this fear with this next blank that you can fill in with wanting protection. But he doesn't seek that protection in the Lord. He seeks it in weaponry, okay? And so his trust is not in the Lord right now. Ahimelech answers him, so he starts by giving him food, and then he answers David and he says, you know what? I have a sword for you. I'll equip you with a sword. Does anyone know whose sword it was that the priest gives to David? Goliath's sword. Of all the swords in all of Israel, he gives him the one and only sword that they had laying around, the very sword of Goliath, the same sword that David is well-equipped and familiar with. And so what I see in this is that God whispers yet again to David, maybe a little louder than the bread, but he whispers yet again another reminder for David. And that reminder is that God helps you. You see, in the midst of David's stress, his fear, his demands for food, his protection, God gives him a reminder that he's going to help him. I will help you, David. And so not only does God care for you, but that care that God shows us comes in the form of real practical help. You see, even though he was lying, even though he wasn't serving the Lord in this moment, God never took his hand off of him and never said, I don't love you and I don't care for you. In fact, he reached down even more than ever before and he said, here, I'm going to equip you with food and I'm going to equip you for battle. 
but he does it with a reminder because David could have grabbed hold of the handle of that sword and he could have been flooded with the memory of how the Lord provided victory for him. God was basically whispering to David, do you remember Goliath? Do you remember that moment where you, the little guy with inferior equipment, stood up in front of this giant while the rest of the army trembled behind you and they could have fought with you, but no one stepped up from the army? God is whispering, do you remember Goliath? You feel this sword? That's the one that should remind you that I care for you, that I'm strong for you, that I am the one who is going to fight I am the one who is going to help you. What a great reminder from God in that moment. That in the midst of his stress, in the midst of his lying, when he's separated from God, he's not following him, he's following fear, and fear is his guide. He could have stopped and heard the Lord and said, you're right. Why am I running instead of turning this over to the Lord? Why am I giving in to all of these what-if questions? Why am I doing things the way that my heart says to not do them? But David still isn't quite here. But again, we can't blame him. That's why scripture is full of reminders for us. Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. God gave us his word like the handle of David's, of the sword of Goliath given to David, that we can grab hold of that truth and it can remind us of who God is. And we can look at fear and we can look at stress and we can say, you're not going to win today because I have what God has given me, which is reminders of his power. I carry with me salvation in Jesus Christ. I am equipped with the full armor of God. I have the spirit of the Lord living inside of me who will fight these battles and I will not let Satan win in the times of stress. Psalm, uh, excuse me, Hebrews 13, 6 also says, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can, Dan, what can man do to me? What can Dan do to me either? He's got no power, but what can man do to me? So what we see is these reminders for us in scripture. We get reminders from other people too of what the truth is. David still doesn't grab hold of these whispers from God, these reminders. We see that if you read the rest of chapter 21, he actually is so caught up in this fear that he tries to escape even further by going somewhere that doesn't make any sense. Do you know where he tries to seek refuge? In the land of the enemy. He goes to the Philistines, and he doesn't just go into enemy territory. Here's David, the guy that beat the giant Goliath with the sword of Goliath, and he goes marching into enemy territory straight to the hometown of Goliath. What is he doing? He's not following the plan of the Lord. He has responded to fear, and that fear makes no sense. And maybe you know that sometimes when you're under stress, you do things that don't make sense, and you look back on them and you go, what was I thinking? Anyone ever ask themselves, what was I thinking? David marches with the sword of Goliath, having previously defeated Goliath, into the hometown of Goliath, and he goes, I think I'll be safe here. <laughs> Not going to happen. And he very quickly realizes that in this stress, responding to this fear, not thinking clearly, that he's not going to find safety there. And in that moment, when someone states something to him, it floods him with the reality that I will not find safety here. 
But again, he didn't quite hear the whisper of the Lord to change his heart and his behavior. He actually changed his behavior in response to the fear that he was experiencing. Because if you read in the rest of chapter 21, he realizes that safety is not an option, so he must escape. And his way to escape is to begin to act insane. It actually tells us that he has marks, he made marks on the door of the gate, like clawing, and he started to change his behavior. He started to let drool come out of his mouth, so he looked insane. Does this sound like a clear person who is being led by the Spirit of the Lord? No. If you were to say that God's plan for your life is to pretend to be crazy and to lie your way through it, that is not someone who is following the Lord. But David begins to act out of control. Spit flying and coming out of his mouth, his voice raised. Some of us, that's just a normal Tuesday in our house because things are stressful, right? But this is David in front of the leader of the Philistines. And this leader of the Philistines basically says, I don't want him in here. Get him out of here. I don't need more crazy people around me, so get David out of here. So the plan worked, but it doesn't justify David's behavior because ultimately he was giving in to his fear and he was responding to his fear. So what I see in here is that David responds to his fear with madness, if you're filling in blanks. But before this madness, I want you to see yet another reminder from God, because look at verse 11. And some of you might be calculating the time already that we're only in verse 11 of chapter 21, and I said we're going to 23. We're going to make it, I promise. It's not going to be much longer. But if you look at verse 11, someone in the crowd recognizes David. And this is the statement that gets David to go, wow, I'm not safe here. But it doesn't get get David to go, I need to turn to the Lord. So he's not quite complete on his thinking. But the statement is, is this not David, king of the land? You see, the reason that this is so important is because David responded with acting crazy, but this was actually a reminder from God, that gentle whisper from God. And so God responds by reminding David that I have a plan for you. Even in the midst of you turning from me in your fear, I have a plan for you. I love you. I care for you. And I'm going to accomplish my plan for you. The reason that this is a reminder from God is because when David heard those words, king of the land, he should have been reminded of who he was because of God's declaration on his life that he was the next king of Israel. And had he realized that God had already chosen him and God was going to do what he said he was going to do, then David wasn't in danger. While the present reality is someone is chasing me, that chasing of Saul ready to murder David was not stronger than God's plan for his life. And so David gets this whisper from God when someone in the crowd says, isn't that David, the king of Israel? It should have reminded David of where he stood in God's plan and that I have a plan for you. And even the enemy was not only recognizing that David would one day be king, they had basically already counted him as king because it says, isn't that David the king? This was a great reminder for David to snap out of his stress, to give his fear and his worry to the Lord because God has a plan for him. We see in Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand 
that we should walk in them. And whatever God has started, he's going to finish. Whatever God has declared, nothing can change it because God is sovereign and powerful over all things, including stress and fear and worry. We also see in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, a very simple reminder that you're very familiar with. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. David was leaning on his own understanding of the circumstance, and he gave in to that understanding, and the understanding was wrong. Don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he's going to make straight your paths. He will guide you. You see, maybe you need that reminder this morning. Stress has overtaken your life. Fear and worry and doubt is the thing that defines you right now, and God is reminding you, not only through his word, but maybe through this message, maybe through people that have spoken truth into your life that comes from God's word, that reminder today is that he's in control. And he has a plan for you because he created you uniquely with a purpose. And he will accomplish that purpose. So what we see with David is that finally these reminders settle into his heart. And as we pick up in chapter 22, we see that now David responds to fear by trusting God. What we knew about David all along, the thing that we love to talk about is his success But we forget that in the midst of all of that success, he had quite a journey of figuring all of these things out. But he finally responds to fear by trusting God. He continues his hiding, but we see in chapter 22 that he is told now to continue his hiding by God himself. It is no longer a response to his fear that he's running for his life. It's in response to obedience to God because through a prophet of the Lord, that prophet tells David, don't stay where you are, go to this location. And David responds obediently. God met him right where he was and he spoke to his heart because he knew David was fearful for his life. And so now God says, I've got you. Go here and you'll be safe. So now David gets to respond obediently and it satisfies some of that fear and it reminds him, God does care for me. God is going to guide me. So we see David trusting God. We see his family in verse 1 of chapter 22 gather around him. We need those people in our lives to remind us of what's true, remind us of our purpose. We also see that people recognized in verse 2 of chapter 22, people recognized Saul's horrible leadership and his evil ways, and they flocked away from Saul and towards David. And so now we see that God is using people to surround David to remind him of his purpose, that God's way is going to win. And then we see this prophet come in in verse 5 and direct David, and David responds. And now what we see in David's life is fear is no longer going to win. Stress is now being handled the right way. His actions are now glorifying God again. While Saul, on the other hand, keeps getting furious and furious, he's chasing this guy who has become elusive. He wants to just satisfy his rage and kill David. And what we see is that Saul catches word because of this guy, Dog, D-O-E-G, who overhears the priest in chapter 21 helping David. This guy reports it to Saul, and Saul decides to kill 85 priests in retaliation. Without a thought in his head, that seems like the best response because Saul had turned his back on God. And what we see with David is David was turning back to God. 
Saul murders 85 priests because he's retaliating. He had lost it completely. There's one priest that escapes that goes to David and tells him, Saul's murdering people and he's coming for you. And we see in chapter 23 that David continues to avoid Saul, but God is directing him. God tells him to go to this city and David is victorious in this city as a battle ensues. And so we, got, we see that God is not only guiding him, but he's giving him victory in his life. Just so happens that as he has this successful battle, he then is told to continue to escape from Saul and hide in what is known now as the Rock of Escape. And the reason it's known as the Rock of Escape is because God, for the final time in this passage, gives David yet another reminder. This reminder is that God will guide you. Even when you may not realize that God is working in your life and he is guiding you, he is directing things for his glory because he is in charge. And so what we see from reading the story, we don't see David get on his knees and say, God, which way am I supposed to go specifically? But what we see is that David escaped on this side of the mountain and Saul decided to choose this side of the mountain. It's not chance that that happened. God directed it for David's safety and for his glory. It's known as the rock of escape. So what's the point in all of this? The point is that God is guiding him and he's guiding you. David turned back to God. Saul turned his back on God. And if you need that reminder today that God is guiding you, look at Psalm 37. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he falls, he shall not be cast headlong for the Lord upholds his hand. Don't we see that in David's life today? That David, even in the midst of his trouble, God is upholding him, is guiding him, is reminding him that he loves him and he cares for him. It's a beautiful story of God's whispering throughout David's life. And so the question that I come to at the end of this is what's your response? Saul rejected these truths in his life. He had opportunity to turn to Almighty God. He had examples of God's power and guidance and Saul turned his back on it. David made mistakes, but he took the time after the fact to reflect and go, I didn't handle that correctly. And he humbly came before God and he said, I desire your power, your strength to overwhelm my fear, to overwhelm my stress, because David had a heart that wanted to glorify the Lord, even though every step wasn't perfect. He always came back to God. After this reflective song that they're going to sing, to close our service, we're going to read Psalm 34 in its entirety. And the reason I feel like that's important is because Psalm 34 was written by David after he reflected on this exact passage, on this exact moment in his life. He didn't let that fear overtake him for the rest of his life. He looked back and he learned the lessons. And so I want you to hear at the end of the service today what David is able to say about the words of his mouth, the cry of his heart. It's a beautiful picture of how we are supposed to humble ourselves with our mistakes and come before the Lord and be reminded that he cares for you and he guides you and he has a plan for you. So my question for us today is, are you turning your back to God or are you turning back to God? You see, it's not just stress or fear that we serve. We serve things like self and money and sex and control and pride, and it damages the gospel message of Jesus Christ in your life. 
It damages your relationship with God. It damages the people around you, whether it's your spouse or your family or your friends. Sin destroys and it can never build up. Building up is not a characteristic of sin. It always destroys. And in all of those things, especially stress and fear and worry, we can always feel alone. We can feel like we are the only person feeling it. And it can be very overwhelming. So then our response is usually to serve that fear. And we try to correct things on our own. Try to take matters into our own hands. But as we saw from David today, God is reminding us along the way to turn back to him, to find him in those moments. Because the truth is that he loves you. The truth is that he helps you. The truth is that God Almighty guides you. He has a plan for you. The truth is that you are not alone, ever. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, his spirit fills you and you are never, ever alone no matter what your feelings tell you. And so for that reminder today, I want you to listen to this song. You can join in if you know it. It's a beautiful song of a reminder that you are not alone. So would you take this time to reflect before we go into Psalm 34 after this song and see what lessons David learned.
Psalm 34 gives us the reflection that David looked back on this moment in his life. And he recognized later the reminders from God that were truthful all along. And the danger is that I want to break this down for you, but I'm just going to read it and let the Holy Spirit remind you of how David was, but now how he wants to be. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. The poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and he delivers them out of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. So today, let the truth of who God is reign supreme in your life. Do not give the enemy a foothold. Do not give in to fear or doubt or worry. Trust the one who is victorious over all of that. Declare that truth to the enemy who is working in your life today and glorify the Lord Almighty with your life. Thank you for being here today.